How's it going, guys? Welcome to the Serious Angler Podcast. For those that are new to the show, the Serious Angler Podcast was created to highlight the dedicated and passionate anglers in our fishing community uh, to try and provide a platform for them to tell their story of you know how they got into fishing and where it's brought them to today. I uh, hope you guys enjoy the show. Um, you can watch it on YouTube at the Ikebra Outdoors channel. Uh, if you're not already, you can watch over there, or you can access the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Anchor app, the Angler app, uh, and many more different podcast applications. Appreciate you guys listening, and enjoy the episode. All right, welcome back to a Serious Angler podcast. We are doing pretty well here in New York. We're starting to get some weather into the 60s. If we can get rid of some of these days that have the cold 40-degree rains, that'd be perfect. I have a tournament this coming weekend, a uh, boater tournament with my buddy Jake Zramski um, on Saturday. It's supposed to be 70 degrees, some sun, so that's something to look forward to. Um, hope everyone is universally feeling this weather change, getting into you know some spring, some honest, honest spring weather into summer. But I hope everyone else is able to get out and fish. Hopefully people are starting to go back to work as you know, things are starting to open up a little bit more. Um, myself included, hopefully things ramp up. But hopefully everybody else is getting out and fishing. So things have been good here. Just making some more videos for everybody. If you're listening from a podcast application, uh, be sure to go over to the iBird Outdoors YouTube channel and check out some of the fishing videos I have. Um, let me know how you guys like them. You know, you can go down and tell me how bad I am at fishing, or tell me, you know, give a thumbs up, whichever you want to do. <laughs> but today we got a cool podcast. I'm having on Destin Demarion of the Bassmaster Elite Series. Destin is on here. Can't remember which pot. I think he was a 16th or 17th, maybe in the low 20s. I'll have to look at this. I'll, I'll have to remind him. He might be able to tell me. But I'm having Destin Demarion on here to talk about. For those of you who don't know, that Bassmaster, the Bassmaster Elite Series, came out with a revised schedule for 2020. So they are going to go back to fishing early June. Um, that schedule we will get into with Destin here. We're going to go over it and see what his thoughts are what he's most excited for, what he's not excited for, his thoughts, pros and cons, whole nine yards. So it's going to be a blast. Let's get on it with him. But before we get into this podcast, I want to send a huge shout out to Douglas Outdoors for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, they've shown a lot of support to the Serious Angler podcast and myself. Uh, it's going to be pretty awesome moving forward to see what is to come with, with Douglas. Um, but this morning I went out uh, and I went scouting on a different um, lake. But basically I went out, I uh, did a lot of graphing and... Um, one rod that I put to use today is the Douglas LRS 704M. Basically, that is my that's my jerkbait rod. I have paired up with a, um, a Daiwa Tatula SV. I have 10-pound Seaguar fluorocarbon on there, the Invisex. Um, basically, that's my jerkbait rod. Basically, that the 704M has a lot of load in that rod, a lot of torque. Um, so basically, when you're getting that bite, that rod is already loading up for you. It's already hooking that fish before you even realize it. So you, you can get that great twitch, you can get that great cadence out of the rod, very light, has a very good balance of, you know, being light, being have, having that flexibility that a jerkbait rod needs, but also having that backbone. Uh, if you guys watch my YouTube channel, you'll know what I mean, how when that rod loads up, if you've seen me use that one, you still have that nice backbone, but that whole rod is loading up into that jerkbait, which is what you want. So that's pretty sweet. I put that to work, caught a few smallmouth, which is pretty nice in that jerkbait. And uh, it was a good day, a productive day, putting in a lot of work out on the lakes here. So again, thank you to Douglas for the support. Um, I can't tell you guys how much I appreciate it. Go check them out at douglasoutdoors.com. Uh, for those of you that are looking to to buy some rods and you don't, need, don't want to go into shops, you can look at fishusa.com or tackledirect.com where you can actually buy these rods online. Um, so thank you again to Douglas. Let's get into today's podcast. All right. Destin and Marion, what's going on, my man? Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking to some new Elite Series schedule. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I put that out in the introduction to everybody, and uh, I was trying to remember, and I was trying to remember without looking at the my actual podcast applications, but... I'm trying to remember which podcast you were. I want to say it was like in the high teens or low twenties. Do you remember by chance? Yeah, I think it was in the teens somewhere. I, I don't remember exactly. We're gonna have to pull it up. I'm gonna have to pull it up right now because now I'm really curious. Because if you don't remember and I don't remember, we're, we're probably not gonna figure it out on our own. 
Let's look it up real quick. I was one of the guinea pigs. I, I definitely was the pretty guinea early pigs. on. <laughs> the guinea pigs, he says. Episode 15. Okay. Yeah. There we go. The OGs. That's, That's right, man. I feel like an old man since the Two last podcast. one. Yeah. Two podcasts later was uh, was Schnup. So I was just getting through that whole group of you guys. Yeah, you sandwiched me between all my buds. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Andy, you, and Schnup. That's funny. Yep. All right, man, we need to have so- Jeff on there sometime. Jeff? Hippert. Oh, yeah. Andy was telling me I should have him on there, too. Oh, he'd be a good one. And he's a yeah. guide and stuff now, too. He'd be an interesting one. Yeah, I got some. We got the. We're trying to work out the schedule for the next couple of weeks because I had so much of a. I have a. I had a packed schedule the past couple of weeks that I was so busy filming podcasts that I forgot to schedule future podcasts. So I'm gonna, <laughs> like, I'm gonna be like reaching out, reaching out to people like, "Hey, you free the next couple of days?" And it's, it's, it's only gonna make it harder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So I have a cool one Wednesday. So I did a, a smallmouth panel uh, last week. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. So I'm like, this panel stuff is fun. Like, cause it's, I think it's that's a great cool. idea. Yeah, it's cool because I can soak all in the information in. And while I'm adding in the conversation, a lot of the time I throw out a question, I sit back for like 20 minutes. I don't have to like, they'll like bounce ideas off each other. And I'm I like, like the one that you and I talked about a little bit. You texted me that I think obviously you did in your panel was, is there different strains of smallmouth? Yes, we did. We did bring that up, and that was like a 30-minute topic for that podcast. That's a great topic. I don't think that one gets talked about much. No. I think what's cool is Alex Rudd, uh, one of my buddies who was on that podcast, he's going to a biologist about it. So they're going to actually like get rolling and see if people can actually do it. And Ben Nowak, who the smallmouth experience on YouTube. Yeah, I've heard of him. He was talking about reaching out to biologists to see if they would create hybrids of northern and, so- uh, and southern smallmouth to make like a mega smallmouth, how they did with largemouth. Yeah, the that F1 smallmouth. Like, <laughs> well, obviously imagine? it would be a Florida strain, but... Oh, my god! I want a Pickwick Erie hybrid. Oh, my God. <laughs> you see some 9, 10-pound smallmouth swimming around. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine how different tournaments would be if that was the thing? Oh my gosh, yeah. It'd, it'd be so much fun if you have the potential to catch that big of a smallmouth in a tournament. It would just be crazy. I think you'd see a lot of... I think you'd see a huge shift on those different strains of lace, like, like a Pickwick. You'd see yep. a lot of guys targeting those smallmouth more than you would largemouth. Oh, for sure. But right now, like the Pickwick thing is mostly a seasonal thing when the smallmouth play, but if they had a tournament like now or a little bit earlier... I mean, those smallmouth bags are huge there. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm just so taken aback by how long they are. That's just oh, yeah. crazy that how big the tails are. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, Alex was saying, that, like, the, I had Alex and Caleb, who are southern boys, and they were saying, you know, you get, like, a, a four-pound smallmouth, and it's, you know, 24 inches long, 24 and a half inches long. And I'm sitting here, I'm like, a northern smallmouth, that thing was 24 inches, that thing would be nine, ten pounds. Oh, for sure. But like ours have, you know, the gobies and all that different kind of forage where they get so fat. Actually, Andy and I were talking about that the other day. He was telling me how like smallmouth heart disease was like a serious problem when I was like joking (laughs) around, like making an infomercial, you know, like one of those like funny infomercials. We're like (laughs) bringing awareness to smallmouth heart disease. (laughs) It's real. Smallmouth are just lined up at the McDonald's drive through. Yeah, exactly. The eerie smallmouths are just gluttons. Yeah, no, it's ridiculous. But uh, before we get into too deep into the podcast, you know, quickly for people who might not have listened to the first first podcast, quickly just introduce yourself, and uh, we'll get rolling on this schedule. Yeah, um, I'm Dustin Marion. I am a rookie on the Elite Series this season. I live uh, near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, part of the year, and then the other part of the year. I live down in Florida. This year I did not because we just welcomed our first child, Eva, this uh, this year. So I was not able to go back and forth. But I usually guide up on Lake Erie and also down the St. John's River. That's awesome. Is, uh, do you have plans anytime soon to, to take the fam down, down south? We talk about it. Um, I would say nothing definitive right now. I think 
if we had had a few more tournaments and maybe had a few more dollars in the pocket, we might be a little more serious about what we were doing. But I think um, we'll have something figured out here soon. Trying to stay as far east away from those murder hornets or whatever the heck they're calling them. Yeah, right. They're coming <laughs> for us. Dude, my, my mother is allergic to hornets and I'm allergic to wasps. So, like, I saw that and I had, like, a mini heart attack. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, I think Earth is just targeting me. Like, well, if you survived coronavirus, now you got to survive this. I mean, hey, hey, knock, it ain't over yet. <laughs> exactly. What's next? Oh, God. No, not Did you see those, those ants in Florida that they already have? Oh, which they're like I don't native, but they're like freaking gigantic. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't, I'm done. Like, I'm deleting the, the news apps off of my social media. Like, if there's some new rare thing that's going to kill everybody, I just want it to just kill me by surprise. And I don't want to know about it preempted. Oh, it's, it's way better not to know about those things. Then you don't have to worry about it. If you know about them? No, if I know about them, I'm going to dream. I have nightmares about them. And then that's all I'm going to think about. Like, dude, I sit here in like up in New York away from a lot of killing mammals. And I'll still walk through the woods like going out while in the morning for deer hunting. And I'll be like sketched out, like looking around, like thinking wolves are going to come attack me or something oh, like that. Dude I, dude, I don't even know. Like, my my mind screws me over. That's all I got to say. Yeah, it so is, you need to weird. stop watching those news feeds and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> news feeds and some Netflix shows I decided to watch. And just, and oh, no, like those documentaries and stuff where they're scaring the crap out of you? Oh, my God. Dude, Oh my, my girlfriend and I watched a movie. I think it was called Backcountry or something like that. Basically, okay. these, this, this couple that went like on a, on a romantic hike. And, like, he proposed to her and stuff. And then the, their last night camping out, a, a bear eats him. So it's I'm like, literally going to guess that. So, yeah. Yeah, that's about what I expected. <laughs> yeah, it was along the lines of that. And I'm sure you know how the dreams went for the next couple weeks. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Dude. What, like, what a way to go. Yeah. Getting, getting back on topic here. Um, how's this sort of thing, you know, real quick. I mean, I, I talked to Todd Otten about this when I had him on. You know, how's this sort of thing affecting you guys as anglers? And I want to, I was curious to get your perspective, obviously, because you're not fishing tournaments. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like at first, I think everybody was just kind of like shocked. I mean, myself, I was just like, I don't really know what to do because I'm used to either guiding in Florida at this time and fishing tournaments or, you know, like that's been my normal. So just like everybody else, it's kind of changed our normal, but it's, it had a lot of, positive benefits honestly for me um being able to spend more time with my family but also like i don't get to partake on this pre-spawn smallmouth fishing as much as i used to like on erie and stuff and it's been pretty banging this year i mean we started fishing middle end of may or march and it's been steady you've been able to fish and usually the ice isn't even out then so it's been pretty cool to do that do a little trout fishing um good way to like read current and stuff and switch it up every once in a while i mean i like to fish for everything but i love fishing yeah. bass mostly but it's been cool to be able to kind of switch it up and do some different things yeah and for those who don't follow you on social media you've been wreaking havoc on those smallmouth it's <laughs> been crazy yeah it's it's been really really good this year I th i've been talking to some other guys too and it's just like a much better year than we've had i don't know if we had some really good spawn classes in that four to six pound range you know those few years yeah, yeah. i mean but there is a lot of fish in that that size range this year do you think any of it has to do with the fact that we barely got any ice mm, yeah for sure i mean that made it us be able to go out earlier like on the open water but i think just there's just a a very good population of fish and a lot of us don't know why like where they came from because it wasn't as good in prior years as it is this year where where i fish mostly in presque isle mm -hmm. it's, it's basically where the fish make their like annual spawning run so they the smallmouth come in the bay because it warms quick all the bait comes in there and there's protected from the winds and eerie as we all know can get pretty nuts so they come in there, they're sand flats, they spawn in there, they eat, they hang out for a little bit, and they go out when it's warm. But, I mean, there's just so many more numbers of fish than there usually is. I don't know if it's because I – I would say because people weren't fishing for them, but there's been absolutely tons of people up there, you know, <laughs> since March. 
even yeah. with the, the like coronavirus stuff and the quarantine, but it's just crazy how, how good it's been. Yeah. Yeah. And I can speak for coming from the Buffalo side, a little bit Northern than you, you know, like my buddy and I went out and almost every wall was lined, like had five, six boats on it, you know, outside the harbors, everybody yep. was catching fish too. And it's like, it's like one of those things where I'm so used to like not enjoying people pull up on me my, my this boats will come like 30 yards away from you my buddy's <laughs> just like my, my buddy and i are like sitting there like if it wasn't you know if this was like a tournament right now we'd be like yelling but like they're sitting there it's like nah everybody's catching fish and it's at that point it just kind of like kind of clicks to you you're like this is weird this is a strange time oh yeah <laughs> it, it's it's interesting for sure but yeah a lot, a lot of people out there just looking for something to do and it's it's a good thing that I mean you're a lot most states have been able to fish. I mean mm-hmm. really a lot of places some places got closed down, which it seems like most of them are all opened up now. But um, it's it's been a great thing to just keep you busy and keep you sane. I think a lot of people. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And you know, I hope this doesn't get taken out of context. Um, I think while this is a terrible thing that happened. I think it is a great thing for fishing coming out of it. Oh, for sure. I think the industry as a whole has really done well through this, which is surprising mm-hmm. considering almost everything is, is taking a hit. But, I mean, everybody's on Tackle Warehouse, you know, buying stuff <laughs> while they're sitting at home and everybody's buying all kinds of stuff and going out fishing and spending money, which I, I was a little surprised that, but everybody's been, you know, utilizing this to go fish and do outdoor stuff. Yeah, I think I saw, you know, when, when Trump sent out those checks to everybody, and I think <laughs> I saw every other post was saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, Trump, or whatever, and, it, and it's just all fishing gear. And it's just, yeah, all, all the memes it, yeah, made from much, the Trump check yeah, things. What just, am I going to do with my Trump check? And yeah, pretty much it was just Trump dumping millions in a tackle warehouse. In a tackle warehouse, right? Yeah. <laughs> there, there's some good memes from Shredfin. If you guys want to see from back in that when the Trump checks were coming out, there's anyone. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, literally, I mean, tackle warehouse was—they were perfect throughout this whole thing because, like, they don't. Have, oh yeah. They don't have a storefront. I don't. I don't think they have a storefront. I think they're all online. Um. Yeah, I don't know for sure on that one, but. I mean, I'm sure, like, if they do, it's 99% of their sales are online oh, still. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only people who, re- I think, were heavily affected by this, obviously, vi- this virus, like yourself, was guides. I think that's yeah. who affected the hardest, 100%. Absolutely. For me, honestly, though, we, um, our state just opened up guiding again for us, like, about a week ago. So I can start guiding again here, which I usually don't even get back here till early May. So it really didn't affect me as much as, you know, would have. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm pretty thankful for that. But I know a lot of guys had to shut things down and, you know, a lot took a big hit. So wow. that, that stinks. Yeah. Now, are you, are you finding that you're getting people signing up for trips or are people kind of still hesitant? I think people are wanting to do something. I mean, I'm getting some calls and stuff. That's good. That's really good. Nice guy in here. Awesome. Well, in other news, there's a new schedule out. Not only, I think, are you guys as anglers super happy, but myself, I am extremely happy. Now I have something to do to occupy myself while I'm working on the computer at home. I think think it was you that I was talking to uh, that I like to treat bass fishing as my football, where I like to yell at the TV. I haven't heard too many people yelling at TV for fishing, but yeah, you're definitely passionate about it. (laughs) I I just, I like to, if I'm not fishing, I need to be doing something involved with fishing or I'm just like going crazy. Completely understand. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah. If any people you can understand exactly what I'm talking about. So let's, let's, I have this, the schedule up here on my other screen. Yep. And, uh, so let's let's talk about this. So June 10th is when you guys come back. So oh, yeah, we're all pumped. You follow. So what is that shaping up to be like? Is that so gonna be, is it's going to be a little bit different tournament than it would have been in April. I think in April you still might have had some spawning fish 
Um, definitely more shad spawn than there probably is not going to be now. Um, I think most of the stuff's going to be like an offshore thing, but there's always fish to be caught shallow, um, almost at any lake. So that could still be a factor, but I'd say most of the tournament's going to be dominated offshore. Okay. I'm Which, not, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to yeah. ask you for info or anything like that, but you know, weight wise, I mean, you don't feel, you don't have to answer these questions if you don't want to, but uh, weight wise, what do you think is going to take? You think it's still going to be a slug fest? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do think it's still going to be a slug fest. I mean, I think somebody is going to win it, whoever wins it is probably going to have, I mean, depending on the water level too. I mean, they've had a lot of crazy weather down there with it coming up and going down and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. If it's optimal conditions, mm, I think you're going to look at a tournament that's probably somewhere in the high eighties, low nineties for weight for four days. That's awesome. Sweet. That's, that's, I would say it's definitely going to take 20 over 20 a day to win. Okay. I like it. It's a good tournament. It seems like it'd be pretty similar for the next one. July 14th to 17th at my favorite lake. Uh, Yes, you've been there a couple times. A few times, just a few. Uh, Good old Cayuga Lake up here in New York, 40 minutes from Mikasa. That's pretty sweet to have that place by your house. That place has been popping off for the last probably 10 years. It's been going insane. Yeah. (laughs) I'm excited for that one because... It's, this is going to be the first time. This is actually going to be the first, besides the Bassmaster Classic this year, this will be the first tournament I'm able to attend that school does not get in the way. So That's I'm going to be so cool. And, and did you get to go to the weigh-ins or anything at the Classic? I did. I, I got to. I went to the very last one where Hank was awarded the championship. Yeah, so did I. So, yeah, so yeah, I it, it'll be a much different experience. It'll be cool for you to see that, especially at a place that you fish all the time. I think it'll be even cooler. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. It's, um, and I, I, there's some guys that go around and they're like, uh, yeah, I can't wait to follow them around and get some waypoints and everything. And that, that part never really crossed my mind. It was more of, I want to see how these guys approach these fish in the post spawn because post spawn fish in New York are very tricky. They're weird. Yeah, I think the post spawn period almost anywhere. Is- uh, especially for, I wouldn't say especially, but largemouth wise. Yeah. Um, it is a tricky time depending on when you hit it. Yeah, 100%. That's going to be fun. You're going to see me sitting out there in my kayak with my binoculars out. Trying <laughs> to... <laughs> That's going to be funny. All these boats are going to be following these guys around, and I'm just like that slow guy with the pedal drive. Just trying to follow. <laughs> I'm just going to pick like a, a dense area where I think a lot of guys are going to be and just make rounds <laughs> i'll go throw a wave on you <laughs> i'll just i'll attach the bow of my kayak to the back of your boat and i'll just surf your waves yeah i don't think that would end well <laughs> no no you're dragging a kayak at so 70 the, the water will be warm so I, i'll go for a swim i don't i don't mind yeah <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's, yeah that's one way to think of it <laughs> i'm curious though you know so going, are they going back full-fledged into how exactly they did, ran tournaments, or are they going to have some different litigations in there? Yeah, I think it's going to be a much different picture than we had, were used to. A um, lot more things in place to you know, protect the anglers and the staff as far as disinfecting, you know, wearing masks. I think that's going to be a part of it, at least early on until things get more under control. But I, I really don't know about the fan aspect. I'm going to say I'm going to lean towards there's not going to be as many fans, at least at the first few events, if any. Um, I, I just saw Major League Baseball has kind of passed a plan to start their season, I believe, right around July 4th. And they're pretty much having the same thing where um, they're not going to have fans at the games, at least initially. So I could, I think that's kind of what we're going to be looking at, too. It's crazy. It's crazy to see that. And yeah, it's, it's, it's something I don't think any sports ever thought would happen. We'd be playing sports and doing this stuff without anyone physically there watching. But I think when it comes to broadcasting, you're going to see record numbers. That's what yeah. I Oh, yeah. Thinking. I Across mean, people are going to be so pumped to have sports back. I mean, I know I am. I 
I love college football and I like the NFL a lot too. So, I mean, I, I always am keeping up on that. I can't wait for football to start again too. Yeah. I, I saw the schedule pop up. I'm an Eagles fan and you know, I'm sure you're a Steelers fan, right? Mm, kind of, sort of. Okay. So I'm sitting there, I'm scrolling through and I see the Eagles schedule come out and I started like scratching the back of my neck. Cause I'm just ready for it to just start. Like um, just, I'm pumped for sports. Like I, I'm going to take a shot here at Andy because he's a Buffalo guy. And he sent me, he thought I was a Bills fan because he sent me a Bills post the other morning. And I'm like, I'm an Eagles fan, bro. And he just started swearing at me. But I'm going to take a <laughs> shot at him right now. The, the throwback Sabres games that they were playing during this quarantine had better ratings than the Sabres games when they're actually during their season. Oh, my so, gosh. <laughs> so I'm predicting there's going to be some crazy good ratings coming out of this quarantine if, if sports do actually pick up. Which should be oh, for sure. I yeah. can't imagine what it's like to be working for ESPN during this time. Like, there's literally nothing to do. They're, they're doing pretty cool. They're, they are, I'll, I'll admit, they are spamming a lot of stuff. But I think they are making do with what they have. Like, that Michael Jordan um, documentary, yeah, the documentary like, yeah. taking over by Storm. And I'm just waiting for the full thing to get out because I hate watching something and having to wait for the next part. So I'm going to wait till everything's out and then I'm going to watch it. Watch it oh, same. Yeah, I'm waiting until everything's yeah. out too. I, I can't stand like, oh, dude. Like when I get into a good Netflix series and there's going to be a next season and then you have to wait six to seven, eight months or whatever for the next season. I Oh, it's torture. That. It's terrible. Like, I'd rather wait 10 years just to have the whole thing out there. <laughs> I usually watch these like shows that are popular like years after. So then all of them are already there. Yeah. Like, we've been watching – um, Peaky Blinders, which is a pretty cool show on Netflix, but it's I think all of them are already done, and we've been starting over from the first season. Yeah, I think I think I started watching Game of Thrones in the last season. Yeah, I, I watched it like right before the last season, so that the last six episodes of Game of Thrones, I could just I could try to stay up to date with. That's that's the one where I was like, the anticipation was just nuts. Oh yeah, like I started watching that one probably right before the last season so like when this last season was going on i was like oh i gotta see all these like i gotta watch them now <laughs> like real time <laughs> all right getting back on track we keep going on these tangents i love it but so the next one july 23rd to the 26th and i'm curious why it says it says site one my birthday what's that it's my birthday which one which, which day 26th 26th that would be the last day of the tournament. That would be pretty cool to be fishing on the last day on the birthday. I'll, I'll bring you out a cake. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Hopefully, I'm still cool. fishing. Me and me and Andy will come up there and throw you a party. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so why why does it say Site One? Site One Bassmaster Elite at Saint Lawrence. Um, that's probably like the premier, like the main sponsor of it. Site One, like I think it's like a landscape supply or something. I'll have to look it up after this. Interesting. Is that the one? That's in Waddington, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a landscape company. Like yeah. landscape construction or something of that nature. I'm going to get no work done in the month of July because on July 30th, you guys go to Lake Champlain. Yeah, the New York swing. We're going to be in your, uh, in your state for a while. I love it. It's going to be awesome. Too. If you I could live in New York for... Like June, July, I'd be pretty pumped too. Yeah, man, dude. Like when you have you guys' downtime, if you're not practicing, we're gonna have to take you around some honey holes here. We got. I very much look forward to that. Oh yeah, it's gonna be fun. And then another one I'm looking forward to is August 20th, 23rd on Lake St. Clair. Oh yes, that's have gonna be a really good Lake one too. I think that one's another one that's gonna be that upper 80s, low 90s, maybe even break 100. That would be, I would enjoy thoroughly watching that. Let's, I'm trying Small to Small mouth beat down. Dude. That's going to be an interesting one because there's a lot of people that are going to do well at that. Oh, for sure. It seems like there's a good population of northern, like very talented northern fishermen on the elites right now. I totally agree. I mean, you got some yeah. good Canadians. Um, obviously, you got a lot of like upper Midwest guys and Northeast guys. I mean, there's yeah. there's a lot of smallmouth hammers for sure. Yeah, yeah, like the 
the between yourself, Garrett uh, Paquette, who literally lives on St. Clair, and you have Seth Fider. Yeah, yeah, and then was the Johnson brothers? Those are the Canadian brothers, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have Gussie. Yep. I'm trying to think who else is a Northern boy. Fodder. Oh, you got Bob Downey as well. He's a, I think he's Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. You got a couple think newer guys are from up in that Minnesota Wisconsin area, and you got Seth Fodder, obviously. Dangerous. Austin Felix. He's a smallmouth hammer. He's a Minnesota guy. That's gonna be oh, that's. That's deep. Okay, so when you see that, when you see that stacked of a lake that sets up like that, do you get excited or do you get like, I got to do really good? Like, do you like kind of get nervous? No, like, I don't generally think about like the other guys because you're just, you're out fishing against the fish. Like, you've got to do your job regardless of who you're fishing against. True. There's really no sense in worrying about the other people. I mean, I respect every one of the elite series are all really good anglers. That's mm-hmm. not who I, what I'm thinking about in the tournament. I'm just thinking about catching fish. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's my biggest fear is going into a tournament and not catching anything or just flopping and catching a small bag. I don't know. Hey, there, there's many guys that have won Bassmaster Classics and they're legends that have zeroed in tournaments. I mean, it, that's fair. everybody does it. It's, it's just part of it. Like you're going to have bad days. That's just, a, that's the thing that's so different about fishing is, like, if you're the best basketball player, you might miss a bunch of shots, but you're still going to have, you know, 20 points if you shoot 50 times a game like Kobe Bryant or something. But, I mean, if you're fi- if you're a fisherman, you might have a day where you don't even catch a dang fish. True. Very true. It's, it's a totally a different point. thing. And even if you're really, really good, someday you just don't have your – it's not your day. Yeah. No, that makes sense. You make a very good point. Damn it, now I'm going to have to fish more tournaments. I was planning on this year being a learning year for me. And now you're going to make me go fish tournaments. Because now I feel like... It's a good way to special. learn, too. Well, it, it is a good way to learn, but I was trying to take this year as like, I'm going to do one or two tournaments, and then I'm literally going to dedicate a bunch of day to just learning the crap out of water. Like, this, this morning I spent six and a half hours on the graph in cold 30-degree rain, just not fishing, just my face in the graph. Just that's the kind of stuff you got to do. I mean, that's really what it takes. Yeah, it, it sucks, except in my point, I don't get to drive a boat. I'm, I'm pedaling, and it's like riding a bike on the water <laughs> in the cold well, rain. <laughs> it's a good thing, because when I get off the water, I have to go exercise, but you already exercise the whole day. Yeah, this is true. This is true. So moving on to the schedule. This is the part I think is most interesting. I'm most excited for July, 100%. But most interesting is these two tournaments in October and one in November. Yeah. That I haven't seen in a very, very long time. Yeah, no, they they haven't done tournaments that time of year in many years. I mean, it's going to be really cool, I think. I, I'm looking forward to it. I know um, October, September time down south can be pretty challenging i've fished a couple tournaments around that time but i'm excited i think um you know i think chickamauga is a good place for that time of year i mean it might be challenging but i think it's still going to be a cool place to fish that time of year Mm -hmm. um santee as well and then fork i think in november could be a decent tournament i think it could be pretty good that's just that but i'm just looking at Chickamauga right to Fork, and it's just like this schedule just looks amazing. Oh, yeah. They they put plenty of hammer holes on this schedule. I think the only thing that could make this better would be a clear lake. It would be really cool to go out west. I I know a big reason why they haven't in a while is because a lot of guys from the East Coast, and I mean, I – I totally agree with it. Makes sense. It's such a far travel and it costs so much money, especially the pre-fish and stuff. But it would be really cool to go out there and fish like Clear Lake and the Delta or Havasu or any of those. That would be really fun. See, what they should do is this. I can't remember the series, but I do you do you follow like Tyler's Real Fishing or anything like that on YouTube? Uh, yeah, I think I do. So he was in some, I can't remember the name because I didn't really look into it too much, of the circuit they did where basically they went on the lake and – they had a helicopter bring their boats into them. 
to that's what you guys should do is like they'll fly you guys out there and they'll just fly your boats to you you know what i'm saying that'd be pretty cool <laughs> just trying to bring some were, like it was a similar concept obviously they didn't fly the boats but when they had the first classic, I think it was Lake Mead, and they drove the guys in a plane around, and they had no idea where they're going, and they like drove over the lake, and they were like, "Here you go, this is where you're fishing." Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how the first classic was. I think I, I heard I heard wind of that on the Straycast podcast yesterday. They brought some that up, like something like that. But that is crazy. Yeah, a little bit. That's it's pretty that's interesting, like, though. That's intimidating. Oh, for sure, especially because, like, you're just going somewhere completely random that you don't know beforehand to even prepare. Like, just go out and fish. It's a pretty cool concept. Yeah, like not knowing what to pack for or whatever. And if you pack yep. wrong, then you, you're not prepared whatsoever. And mm-hmm. it's hard to be prepared 100% in that situation. But it's, it's interesting. Is there any Absolutely. more that we missed? Lake Fork was the last one, correct? Lake Fork, yeah. Lake Fork. So what are you most excited for on this list? I would still say it's probably Fork. I mean, just because it's a place I've never been. I still haven't been there because I would have went and pre-fished like during this whole coronavirus thing, but I knew it was going to change. So obviously I couldn't travel and got rescheduled anyway, so I didn't get to go pre-fish there. Um so I'm really looking forward to that just because of the history. I mean, the place is just incredible as far as, like, it's so steep with lore, you know, in the bass fishing world. It's just mm-hmm. a place that you got to go. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, you know, obviously you're excited for that one, but is there a lake on that list where you're like, I have my work cut out for me? No, I mean, I don't feel like that. I think I haven't had experience, obviously, at um, – when we talked before, I haven't had any experience at Ufall. I haven't had any experience at Santee. I have fished Chick um, a few times, not this time of year that we're going to be there. But, I mean, at least I learned the lake a little bit, how to get around and such. Um, but, no, I, I wouldn't say anyone's really, like, intimidating per se. That is that's good to hear. Sounds like you will be consistent in my fantasy fishing. <laughs> <laughs> if a guy I hope off, that is in reality as well. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that, that's going to be one thing that's kind of interesting, too, is that got put on hold, and they, they were doing so well with that fantasy fishing. Like It, it seemed like oh, it was yeah. starting to really grow with it. It seems I'll be interested to see if people actually get back into that. That, that was something else that was really funny at the Classic. Like um, I was waiting in line because it was – it was crazy to get around there. Like it oh was probably like the, that doctor that's, you know, dealing with all the coronavirus things, like worst nightmare, like everybody like just crammed in, in oh <laughs> together, but shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. But I was waiting to go down the escalator or something. And this kid like said something to me and I like looked and he said, he's like, man, you saved my fantasy fishing team last week. And I was like, Whoa, never, that's pretty <laughs> cool. Like I never even thought about that. That's pretty sweet. Now you feel like you're like an NFL stadium or something like that. Like you're catching passes from freaking Tom Brady. That's how you feel like now. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it was just it's just cool to like be a part of that one. I mean, I I played fantasy fishing just like everybody else and stuff. Like it's just cool to be on the other side now. Yeah. Are you guys not allowed to pick or do fantasy mm-hmm. fishing now? I just assume so. I, I don't know for sure. I, I would think you, you're not supposed to. It's like it'd be like the Pete Rose thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you could, would you pick yourself? Yeah, I would pick myself for sure. That's a you got to have confidence. I mean, does that mean I'm going to be the best one in that bucket every time? Of course not. I don't. I mean, I can't say that for sure, but I've got to have confidence in my own abilities. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I, li- I like a confident man. So he- here's a strange question for you. And I'm trying, still trying to figure out in my head right now how to exactly word it. But So if there was an angler that on the Elite Series right now that you think your skill set matches up best with, who would it be? And also, who is a polar opposite of you from your few tournaments so far? 
That's a really cool question. I, I, you've really outdone yourself here. Last time you had me stumped there for a while too. <laughs> I can't um, ask the same question. That's <laughs> it. Most similar. Oh, I would probably say. Hmm. I mean, I'm going to say somebody that is just because I know them well, and I think we fish similarly, and that's Austin Felix. Okay. Um, I think we both are like pretty a good like adept finesse fishermen, but we're also like we want to power fish kind of mindset, you know. Yeah. You so want, like, we like always want to search for that, but we always have the finesse thing to fall back on. And if stuff gets real, like we can always survive doing that. You're not afraid to pick up the spinner rod and apply that finesse tactic. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't want to do it, but if I have to, I'm just as comfortable. Nice. Okay. I like that. Now polar opposite. Polar opposite. I would say... I'm going to think of somebody who's like just a straight flipper because that's not me. Not a flipping guy. I mean, I'm trying to think who was still like there that's like a straight flipper because I mean like the like the Tharps and the Ishes and those people are pretty much, they're gone. They're not on the elites anymore. Mm, who would be? Straight flipper. Mm. I can't even really think of like a, who's like a straight kind of flipping guy i mean seth is pretty i don't i guess he's, he's pretty of, well-rounded though yeah he is I don't I'm, think thinking, he's, I'm just thinking minnetonka he's uh oh he's, yeah he's definitely like a really good grass flipper and i mean he's a good flipper in general but that's what like, he is he's classic yeah dangerous with milfoil everything yeah in the mix i don't know who's a good just there's very a lot of versatile guys now that no, you don't really see a lot of guys that are geared towards one thing much anymore. I'll say someone else that I'm, I know pretty well. Just They're definitely a different style, but I'll, I wouldn't say they're a straight flipper, but they're definitely a different style. I mean, that's Hank Cherry. Okay. In what way? So he's a, he's a jig guy. He wants to like, catch a jig. He wants to you know flip docks and fish docks. It's like a Lake Norman. It's a North Carolina guy thing. Okay. Um. I like fishing docks, but I usually approach them differently. Um, that's what those guys generally fish like. And that's not really my style. Um, it's, it's pretty different from what I, I would approach things. Like the way they're going to look for a bite initially is totally different than what I would, would do. Okay. I listened to the podcast when he was on Bass University, and they were they were saying that they would name him in the – the top, I think it's either top three or top five best jerkbait fishermen of all time. Yeah, oh, he is. 100%. That, that's where I, I was kind of like hesitant because I think we are similar in that way because I oh, I look for a jerkbait bite a lot too. Um, he, he looks for it almost everywhere and, and I will generally do that too, but not quite as much. Interesting. They asked him a question. This is what I'm going to ask you too, seeing as he just brought up Pink Cherry is when it comes to cadence how he does it and he said he never really switches up his cadence much mm-hmm. he just kind of sings a song in his head and just goes along with it it's a good way to do it i i don't really change mine too much i'll change the pause that's pretty much the only thing i'll change once in a while i'll change the cadence up whether i'm if it's really cold i'll okay. change it up a little bit but generally i'm doing the same cadence i'll just vary the pauses I think the the most interesting part to him that I've started to implement and that has actually worked for me um, with throwing a jerk, but even that really any moving bait, honestly, um, is getting bites where fish follow it up to the boat. You know, sometimes bigger fish, they like to push bait against the wall or an object. That way they think they're pinning it, they're trapping it. Mm-hmm. And then doing a sweep, like it's not even like very exaggerated, just a simple, just change of direction while you're reeling it back, how that can trigger bites instead of just reeling it straight back in the, the exact way you're casting it. He, he, they showed proof of it in the, at the classic when he was fishing that wall that he just mm-hmm. did a, a quick, just one jerk in, in another direction 
and he caught you know that triggered bites. I thought that was really interesting. Oh, that's and, a great little tidbit. I mean, he, he is he is the jerkbait master. Um, I look forward because he's um, one of the guys I'm traveling with this year. So I really look forward to. I mean, I I love to like pick other guys' brains, and I love to share what I know because I mean, we all fish differently, and if something I know that you don't know could help you and vice versa i mean that's what i want to do and it's cool to learn different little just little things like that i mean that something like that can make a huge difference one bite can win in the classic or lose it yeah no 100 yeah and he's like talking about like you know when you're slack line you slowly lift the slack line that raises that jerk bait and how it can kind of make it sit different and trigger bites and i'm sitting there like just mind blown oh yeah <laughs> That's the, that's what makes certain guys like the best at certain techniques is they just they isolate every little thing and make it so complex and change this and little just little details that make so much difference and it's from you know trial and error and and just doing it constantly and constantly and tweaking you know if it sits forward if it sits back if it sits you know, still, if it's slowly singing, if it's slowly floating up, like all those things, all those variables are very important in jerkbait fishing and knowing which ones apply to what situations. And that's, that's the, one of the things that makes Hank so good at jerk baiting and the guys that are, you know, the pinnacle jerk baiters and just what, at anything, you know, cranking, you know, the David Fritz's and yeah. frogging and the flipping guys. Yeah. It's when you break it down to that, it's like, for me, it's just, it's crazy to still, still see people innovating because when I try to look at that and I try to break it down, it's like I don't know what to change on this that already hasn't been changed. And it, it's it's crazy to see how creative some of the minds are out there. Absolutely, it's something that I've I've been thinking about a lot this week, and I, I'm I've been trying to think about what you just said a lot more. Is like okay, I, I can I do really well with this what little things can I do to make it even better? Mm -hmm. Like with yeah. a jerk bait. Yeah. I think the big, the only really thing that's like clicked for me that I didn't take or learn from something like, you know, listening to podcasts, let's say is, you know, losing a lot of fish on a trap. And I switched to that VMC trap that had, I can't remember the actual name of it, but it has a little blade on the, um, on the, the treble hook. Mm -hmm. And they started, I started hooking up a lot better. My hookup ratio was way better after that. And that was just, it was something kind of a little bit different that helped them key in and target on something. Exactly. Um, yeah. So that was it's just like putting cool. a feather on a treble, putting yeah. just a little something yeah. where they're going to key to actually eat that so you can actually hook them. That's, that's a smart tweak there. Yeah. And a quick shout out to my dude, Ben Nowak in that small moth panel, um, taking a highlighter and putting the highlighter under where your treble hooks are. And that gives smallmouth target points to key in on when they hit that bait. They see that little highlighter, and that's what makes them hit it. Like, they see a bait, and they go to hit it, but that highlighter gives them, like, an area to key in on. Yeah, my, my favorite jerk bait, that's, I also have that. I do that with mine. That's pretty sweet. It's, like, small little stuff like that. It just, like, blows my mind. But it makes it's crazy sense. how just those little tweaks can make such a difference, really. Are you a red treble hook guy? You know, I used to use a lot more red treble hooks, and I just really never felt like it made that much of a difference. Yeah, I'm the same way. I just, I don't, I look at it, I'm like, I don't think they, because I feel like if they see the red treble hook, then they see the other treble hooks. So it's like... <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just a weird concept to me. Yeah. I mean, maybe um, if you're throwing on like a red trap, I think it would blend in so it wouldn't hurt anything mm -hmm. or like a red crankbait or something. But does it really help that much? The jury's out on that. I mean, everybody's got their opinion, but yeah, I haven't personally seen anything that's leading me in the direction of thinking that it does. Okay. Cool. So now that you've fished a couple tournaments, this is my last question for you before I let you go. We only uh, got one in, actually. What's that? We only got one in so far. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Somehow. So it's, it's, yeah. It's, 
<laughs> We've been going on so many tangents for this one. It's been fun. <laughs> but now that you've had a, uh, a few tournaments under your belt, you know, do you, do you feel a lot more comfortable now in the Elite Series? And, do you, you know, I obviously you're looking forward to the rest of the season, but, you know, what are your thoughts so far? Yeah, I think it's it's pretty cool. Um, like, the Opens had so many more anglers. It was, like, just a lot more pressure on spots, I think. Um, I, I've actually liked that aspect of it. There's 88 boats. There's a lot less boats. Um, I don't feel like you're, like, running over top of each other as much. Um, but obviously, people are fishing certain areas that have fish. But without 200 boats, I think it's it's a much different playing field than it, it was in the Opens, and I enjoy it. Um, you don't have a co-angler, which I never really minded having a co-angler, but that's just um, you know that many more fish that haven't been caught from if there's 200 boats there's 400 guys in an open and everybody's catching the fish now mm. there's 88 guys period catching the fish so it's a cool it's cool like not having a co-angler too um just for that reason and just like completely solely focusing on the fishing aspect instead of like having to deal with that dynamic as well yeah, 100%. I think it's also cool, you know, with that smaller field, like you mentioned, is you have, you know, every face. You know, every yeah. face is familiar. It's it's not like an open where you, there's a bunch of people new that you don't recognize, names you don't know. And from what I've heard, like a lot of the opens are kind of like cliques and groups of people that, and there's a bunch of people that just don't talk to each other. But yeah, for sure. But I, I love the opens. Like, I made so many good friends through the opens and there's definitely clicks and stuff, but that's with anything. I mean, you're going to have your groups of people that are friends and they don't like these people and that, but I, I don't really see much of that. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. Awesome. So that's pretty much all I had for you. I was wanting to talk about the, uh, the schedule coming up and I mean, the schedule speaks for itself. Like I'm looking at, pure raw greatness right now (laughs) all all i can say to wrap this thing up is i am so excited for july that's all (laughs) i can say i love new york that's probably what you're thinking yeah i just can't wait (laughs) i just can't wait for you guys to come up to new york and we'll have to we'll have to get you on some honey holes when you're not out practicing and oh for sure yeah Uh, i'll be be up pretty much after you fall uh, to come pre-fish before cutoffs and then Shoot, I'll, we'll have a little bit of time off, and I'll probably be traveling for work, and then we'll be back in New York for about a month. Oh, that's a, that's a good quick question I have for you. So with your work, um, in the podcast, we mentioned that you take out uh, grounds crews for ballparks. Yeah. Do you have any of those trips scheduled coming up? Yeah, so right now I'm just trying to navigate um, how we're going to do that. I think it's going to be fine as far as we're just going to have to limit you know, only taking one or two guys per trip, just being safe about it. And obviously not every state right now is open to that, but in the places that we can, I'm going to try to start getting back into that rhythm. Makes sense. Any, uh, if there was a certain ballpark, like a, I'm trying to think of how I'm going to word this question. If, what, if you could choose your favorite ballpark, like to visit and obviously, you know, get your tour and everything and then take them out, you know. Okay, I'm going to stop. Rewording the question. Favorite ballpark with local body of water combination. So I'm going to go with the hometown team, and that's the Pirates. PNC is definitely one of the nicest parks in major leagues. Um. But when I take those guys out, we usually go to my pond, which is Prescott Bay. And that is definitely my favorite thing to do in the spring with those guys and, and go visit them at the park, which, I mean, I've been, I am a Pirates fan. I'm a big Pirates fan. Obviously, it's not been so great lately, but, <laughs> um, but I do enjoy PNC Park. And I, I mean, what's not to love about Prescott and Erie and taking those guys out? somewhere that i know if anybody says they don't like lake erie then they don't deserve to fish yes my two cents <laughs> i am obsessed with that lake i mean it is a it is a close second to cayuga 
just because I've never broken a PV out on Lake Erie. Katie Man. will still remain my number one. What What is your big one now? It's over five, right? Yeah, it's five five pounds fourteen ounces out of Ku. So you're right about six. Yeah, it was actually yeah. funny because I called Andy and I'm like, dude, broke PB because I broke it a month ago, and I told you in the podcast I was ashamed of myself being from New York and my PB only being four nine. I remember and that. I had went out and I caught a five three, and I was like, dude, I broke my PB, whatever. Went back three, two or three weeks later, broke it again with that five pound fourteen ounces. But when I weighed it. I weighed it in pounds, not pounds, ounces. So it came as 5.9. So I'm sitting there, I'm like, it was only a 5.9. So it was like a six-ounce upgrade or whatever. And I'm sitting there, and I weighed another fish. And I'm like, I'm in pounds. I'm not in pounds, ounces. Yeah, so 5.9. So I looked it up, and I'm like, I almost caught a six-pounder. <laughs> like I, was, I called Andy. I'm like, you will never guess what just happened. And he goes, did you break your PB again? I'm like, no. But my PB's bigger than I thought it was. And I told him about it. And just laughing about how dumb I am. But it was pretty funny. It was just kind of that moment where I'm like pedaling back to the, the launch. And I'm sitting there and it clicks. I'm like, it was a 514. Like, I, I didn't click. It was, I had to look it up. But like, it's like, damn, I was two ounces off six. And then I got pissed. I'm going uh, to make a prediction, a bold prediction, that okay. if you take your kayak to the walls in Buffalo for the next two weeks, and you go consistently, you will definitely break your personal best. <laughs> I, I want to. So I was there. I was, there's actually a video dropping tomorrow. Where I, I went to Lake Erie, and I caught like a 5-2 and a bunch of fours. But I did not catch a six. My oh, brother only gonna get teased me, though. I pulled. I, we netted that 5-2, and he goes, dude, that's a six all day. And I'm like, don't tell me that. And I, we waited. It was only 5-2. And I was like, damn. See, if you would have thought that it was a 6, then maybe it would have been a 6. Yeah, right? <laughs> Usually when I, I think it's think a 6, back. it's like a 5 and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and oh, some, days, some days I'm like, ah, it's like 5 pounds. Ask Andy about that. We had over 25 pounds in a tournament, he and I. And I was like, ah, we have like 22 pounds. And he's like, ah, I think we got more than that. I was like, nah, they're like 4 pounders. Well, yeah, they're all like five and change. <laughs> of course. <laughs> those, Actually, those no, we had a six too. That we had a six that day, and the rest were like fives. It's it's they're they're so hard to predict out there because it's like especially this time of year when they're feeding so fat, like they're feeding so hard that their bellies are just so dense. Oh yeah, like, it's it's nuts. Like I caught one at Cayuga that was eighteen inches long, and it was sixteen and a half inches like around. I remember seeing, yeah, I remember seeing that that largemouth. That well, no, that was a that was a largemouth, but there was a smallmouth there too. That was oh, okay, yeah, and that thing was like four nine six, and I was like, the hell are these things eating? Like, I, yeah, I wanted to, like, after they spawn, they'll be like three and a half pounds. Yeah, right. Yeah, an eighteen inch will be like two pounds. So yeah, pretty much. Like, they'll be like razors. Yeah. No, I, I, I definitely plan on getting back to Erie. I definitely kayak a couple times, and then I got to get out with Andy. And we got to go get out on some fish, and maybe I'll beat his boat out there. I don't know. We'll figure it out, but it'll be fun. That's the way to go. You can yeah. hit a lot more spots. You don't have to pedal five miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Andy, let me borrow your boat so I can go craft out in Erie. I don't have to pedal around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he'll go for that one. His, his new baby. Yeah, no, I I would never ask any guy that question about his own boat. <laughs> that is a a territory you do not tread. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Well, dude, I think that's all I have for tonight. But I just want to say thank you for taking the time. It's always a pleasure. It's always fun, and I for the tenth time tonight, I cannot wait till you guys come to New York. It's gonna oh, be me too. Well, it's always a pleasure on this end, Bailey. I appreciate you for having me, man. Of course, man. I'm glad you guys get to go back and fish, and I'm excited. Wish you the best, and uh, we'll talk soon. Appreciate it, man. Talk to you. All right. All right. So I hope you guys enjoyed that podcast with Dustin. It's always a blast to talk to him. Uh, he's become a good friend of mine, a, a resource for knowledge that I go to about different ideas and different things that um, that come about about fishing that I think about, that I want to, different ideas, different topics, uh, whether it's advice, whatever. I always, Destin's always nice and open to um, having me reach out and, and, re, and kind of pick his mind about different things. We, we live in a very 
Um, similar part of the country. We're both in the Northeast. He's Pennsylvania. I'm New York. But we, we fish generally similar bodies of water. So it's pretty cool how we can kind of bounce ideas around each other. And uh, I'm rooting for the guy. I mean, he's he's a Northeast guy. He's pretty close to home. So I'm hoping he gets out there and smashes him for the rest of this year. And I'm excited to have him come up to New York for three tournaments in July, which is going to be pretty awesome in New York. Get out there and fish with him um, if he's not out there practicing his face off. So it's going to be going to be fun. Go up there and hang out with him a little bit. Um, I haven't gotten to hang out with him in a while since the classic. So um, it's going to be a fun time. Can't, I'm looking forward to this schedule. It is looking amazing. I cannot wait. Um, I'm excited to see and watch Bassmaster Live again. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Make sure to follow Destin down below uh, his YouTube channel. He's starting to post a lot more. Make sure you go to that. You can learn a lot from him. Uh, follow him on social media. And if you're not, you know, go subscribe to the Iper Outdoors YouTube channel. You also reach out to me on social media at Serious Angler or my personal page, which will also be linked down below. If you do not want to watch the podcast on my YouTube channel, uh, you can listen to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Angler app, pretty much any podcast application out there. You can find Serious Angler. Thank you guys again for watching and listening. We'll see you next time. Hey, guys. I just want to say thank you for listening to my podcast in its entirety. With that being said, if you'd like to support the Serious Angler Podcast, please head to my page and click support. Any amount really helps me be able to create content for you guys and also helps me you know, pay the bills, which gives me more time to make podcasts for you guys. Thank you guys again for listening to the Serious Angler Podcast, and we'll see you guys next time.